We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mile High Huddle Podcast with your football priests, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Remember, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Mile High Huddle Podcast, and I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, my fellow football priest, you know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, I wanted to ask you, there's a few different things that uh, I want to get into tonight, and then, of course, we'll see, always dying to see what's on everybody's mind in the chat. Uh, but what do you make of the Dalvin Cook stuff and just kind of the – I wouldn't even really say rumors. It's not really rumors. It's just hype, scrutiny, this talking head saying Denver should sign him, that talking head saying it makes a lot of sense, et cetera, et cetera. What do you make of that? Do you think it's still a, 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 an issue within the Valley that is alive? I think for analysts like Keyshawn Johnson uh, who are recommending the Broncos sign Dalvin Cook, it's a way to keep themselves relevant and just kind of um, take the low-hanging fruit. There was that report that the Broncos did a lot of homework into Dalvin Cook, but his price tag is way too high, and I think higher, much higher than the Broncos want to pay after paying Samaj P. Ryan. I still hold true to the belief that Dalvin will end up probably in Miami, but if not Miami, with the New York Jets. He's been doing his research on them. I've heard he's had discussions with the Dolphins about a contract, and it makes way more sense going there than coming to the Broncos at this present moment. I think as far as a fit is concerned for Dalvin, like if you're just – if all things were being equal and Dalvin was being offered the same money by XYZ team and the Dolphins were one of them, Dolphins do make the most sense just based on his – his skill set with the zone and just his experience in that Drake. What's up, bro? Thank you for jumping in early with the super chat. He says, you, Drake. I got to ask you guys what either of you want Dalvin cook. Javante Williams is the guy they put the future into. Doesn't seem like a fit uh, cook for Denver. So like if money, I mean, it's not our money. So let's just pretend for a moment, Zach, it's no object in this situation because think about this real quick, all those years in new Orleans, how often did we hear in the offseason? What the heck is StreamYard doing right now? Uh, how often did we hear that the Saints were in cap hell? They're over the cap constantly. and blah, blah, blah. It's voodoo, bro. It's voodoo. So money not being an issue, do you want Dalvin Cook to bolster the RB room? Of course I would want Dalvin Cook, but I ask myself, do the Broncos need Dalvin Cook? And the answer is no. He'd be great in a Sean Payton offense, 
I have uh, no qualms about his usage or what he can do for the offense, but you have Javante coming back. He will play at some point, preferably early in the season. You just signed Samaje, who can be a three-down guy, and you have other uh, players out the position like Tyler Beatty, Jaleel McLaughlin, Tony Jones, who also came over from New Orleans and is a Sean Payton favorite. Of course, I would want him, but it's a luxury move, and the Broncos can't currently afford him. He wants something like $10 million a year, while the Broncos only have $9 million in cap space. And it is a myth, and the Broncos could finesse it, but they have more pressing needs elsewhere. If they're going to start um, opening up the pocketbook again, go get a center, go get a defensive end, go get some more uh, D-line help. Not another running back. Who wouldn't want a running back to answer Drake? Who wouldn't want a 27-year-old running back who's averaged north of 1,200 rushing yards and almost 10 touchdowns per season for the last four years and also a guy that's like chipping in north of 300 receiving yards per year over that same span? But my worry on that, Zach, would be if you spent that money right now on Dalvin, okay, cool, you got him in here. Even if you're deferring a lot of the cap hit or whatever down the road and all the voodoo that they work, what happens when the chips go down, something, whatever, it doesn't look the way you want it to look in training camp. Turns out you really need another interior uh, O-lineman or you really need another offensive tackle or whatever. And what if it stretches you beyond your means? That would be my biggest concern. But that's, you know, we get back into the ifs and buts and candy and nuts stuff. Uh, plus, Dalvin supposedly wants to play, not even supposedly, he said it himself, for a Super Bowl contender. And while we both feel like the Broncos could be a playoff team, probably will be a playoff team this coming season, we both fall short of Super Bowl expectations, just being realistic. And the uh, the Rodgers-led Jets chat are a little closer, I think. They're a little more in win-now mode. The Dolphins are on the cusp, I believe. So it makes a lot more sense going there than coming to Denver from Cook's point of view. Okay, to segue real quick, because we have a few Super Chats on this subject. Before we grab them, though, I just want to set the stage. So this was something that happened over the last couple of days. Robert Griffin III, who everyone knows, of course, as RG3, uh, one of Russell Wilson's draft classmates, right? He was the number two overall pick in the 2012 draft, uh, right behind Andrew Luck. And then Russ, of course, ended up going whatever it was, uh, 70 some, 75, I think. Anyway, he's now RG3, an ESPN uh, college football analyst. And we talked last week, it might have even been uh, Sunday or Monday, but we talked about the viral Russell Wilson workout video, right? And uh, <laughs> uh, making himself a little bit of uh, easy target, even though there's nothing wrong with the video itself. It's just in conjunction with everything that happened last year, it's kind of a dot, 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 too soon, question mark. Like maybe just continue flying under the radar a little bit. But Griffin, Zach, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. So he put together a little tweet it's not just like a comment tweet zach where he's like quote tweeting and going haha this dude put some thought and time into this like cutting up a video or you'd have to go check it out i would we would show it to you but we don't want to get copyright claimed on uh facebook or youtube but here's what he said zach broncos country comma let's slide right russ is going back and forth in those slide drills or whatever in his workout video and then if you watch the clip at the very end, all of a sudden, RG3's face pops up on the screen. And he says, what in the Ben Stiller is going on here, Russell Wilson? So it's kind of like tongue-in-cheek. He's kind of goofing. He's kind of clowning around. If it's not the offseason, maybe we don't even talk about it. But what was your reaction to it? I just mentioned someone trying to keep themselves relevant. And in this case, he's trying to be funny, where it just comes off lame and corny. 
I mean, let's slide. If this was 2022, I could see it being appropriate, but it's not. If he threw a Buckham in there, I could see it being appropriate or semi-funny, a little funny, but it's not. RG3 is the ultimate social media warrior in the sense that he's always putting out hot takes, considering who he works for as well, just for clout, retweets, and likes. I don't take anything he says seriously, especially about the Denver Broncos. David, so great to see you tonight, bro. Thank you for jumping in way early with a super chat. Uh, good evening, right back at you, saying, I just remember RG3 is a has-been. Dude, that is so true. I mean, what do they say, Zach? Uh, uh, desperation is a stinky perfume, but so is jealousy, dude. If you think about it, RG3, Russ, same draft class. Both of them kind of hit the ground running. Even though RG3 had more immediate success in terms of individual stuff, year one becomes rookie of the year and all that stuff. It was literally 100% all downhill from there. Russ got to the playoffs as a day one starter as a rookie and then just never looked back, right? Wins a Super Bowl year two, goes to another Super Bowl year three, and so on and so forth. Meanwhile, RG3, dude, like he, one of the most notorious busts of the modern NFL era, started 27 games uh, post uh, that, that first we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm actually getting the numbers wrong. Didn't start too many games, all right, post, uh, post his time in Washington under Mike Shanahan. But I think a, a lot of it is eating his heart out stuff, like still kind of jealous over the fact that this short 5'11 quarterback not nearly as highly touted as he was coming out of Baylor drafted in the third round look what he achieved uh, to use your analogy you know I was in a department store last weekend and I walked in and I walked through the perfume department and I just had a hold my nose it was that bad that overpowering that cheap smelling that's RG3 in a nutshell and if it wasn't Russ, I feel like he wouldn't try to be this funny or be this clever. And I kind of feel crunchy for even giving him this much breath and energy about the topic. But um, it's just hopping on the bandwagon of the hate Russ and clown Russ at all costs. And it's low-hanging fruit and very, very, very played out at this point. There's something revealed in a person's character when they, um, when they, when they kind of jump in on the kick him while he's down syndrome, like the pylon syndrome. Those, those people reveal a lot about themselves, especially when it's something small like this. Like I get it. Like no one really wants to see more workout videos from Russ after he did what he did last year and all the, 
you know, the flying over to the UK and the knee high story and all that stuff. People just want to see him get out there and do it on the field, etc. But it's still Zach, this wasn't a controversial uh, Twitter video that Russ put out. It was pretty cut and dry pro athlete working out hard in the off season, you know, ha ha ha. I'm still, I'm still grinding, but because he's still Russell Wilson, the subject is that low hanging fruit. And he is the guy of which there is a massive dog pile, right? Everybody has smeared him to the earth. Russ or uh, RG3 is a guy just, hey, doesn't need much incentive to, to jump in on that. Sam Bam, love you, big dog. Thank you for the super chat saying, evening, guys. RG3 probably pulled his hamstring while making these comments like he's anyone to clown on someone else. Indeed. That's like, what do they say, you know, uh, uh, proverbial um, – for those who live in glass houses, you know, you shouldn't throw rocks, etc. cetera. Uh, RG3 should take heed. You know, to your point about it was pretty innocuous what he tweeted. It was a workout video that literally like 99% of other NFL players tweet or, or display on social media this time of year. But the thing with Russ is that differentiates him from every other player and why he gets clowned is he can tweet a literal period and he'd be called a maxi pad, Chad. I mean, it doesn't matter what he does, what he says, just because he's Russell Wilson and he had the season like he did last year, people are going to attack him. But like we always talk about, the only way and the best way to shut these people up is to prove it and win on the field. And I think he'll do plenty of that this season. I think that's also a big reason why, Zach, that, uh, you know, Sean Payton with the kind of whole, we can't accurately call it a media moratorium because it's not like we got zero access to players, but a significant curtailing of player access through the offseason training program, including Russ. We only got to hear from Russ one time. And I think a big part of that is that Payton understands that, like, as much as he wants to help him uh, you know, resuscitate his playing career. Part of that is resuscitating the, the luster to his name. And he knows right now words are, and, 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 you know, social media posts and all this stuff, it comes cheap, right? It's like talk is cheap. Oh, keep your head down, Russ. Let's keep you flying below the radar and let's get out there and surprise everybody and show them on the grass in the fall. Troy, bro. Thank you. So great to see you tonight. My friend, very appreciative of the super. He says, Hey guys, if Russ plays well, I think all the attacks will turn into a positive for the team when it galvanizes around him. Us versus the world usually works in sports. Have a great show. Sorry to miss. Oh, we're missing Troy tonight. It's all good. I'm sure he'll listen after, but thank you for that super chat, uh, big dog. But yeah, I think some guys do take in, in the Broncos locker room when it's depending on the magnitude, Zach, of what is said and when it's said and all that. I think some guys do take exception to, to Russ. Like, we can think back to what getting clowned on. Uh, we can think back to whatever it was a week, week and a half ago. Bradley Chubb on the uh, Tyreek Hill podcast, and Tyreek goes into a similar kind of uh, pattern here as RG three clowning on the uh, Russell Wilson "Let's Ride" and just kind of talking about how irritating and cringe it became. And wasn't that? Don't you agree? Kind of really leading Bradley Chubb, who's now his teammate in Miami, kind of leading him Zach into. Well, that was lame. I think it's lame. It's safe for you to now say it's lame, but Chubb wouldn't do it. Chubb actually did not fall prey to it, resisted the temptation, even if maybe he felt that way. But I honestly don't think he did. Like he went to bat for us and he had no, no more skin in that game. Um, I look at two words that Russell Wilson said about himself 
I think in that press conference you referenced, he said he was leaner and meaner. And the leaner is obvious, but the meaner part kind of stuck out to me because he's always been the good guy. And I mean that genuinely, the good guy in the community. I I think even today, Make-A-Wish Colorado showed Russ at the facility uh, throwing the ball around with two uh, kids who wanted to meet him. Um, But he's never really had that combative personality. He's never really clapped back. He's always taken the high road. I think that's about to change. And it might be my wishful thinking or something I want to see from Russ, but he heard all the conjecture last year. He heard all the insults. He realizes some of it by his own hand, how much of a joke he was around the NFL. And I think he's out to prove that joke is not funny anymore. And he's about to make those people, including RG three, eat their words. Um, while we're still on this subject, there's one last um, point on the Russell Wilson topic I want to get to. And then we're going to talk about the, uh, I mean, he is a legendary Bronco, not for all the best reasons necessarily, but uh, being under under uh, the gun with the feds for tax evasion. We're going to get to that. But before we shift gears, Zach, you had this article today, ESP, uh, ESPN projecting Russell Wilson stats, and turns out they're projecting improvements. What uh, What can you tell people that Mike Clay of ESPN is projecting for Russ this year? Yeah, I mean, in uh, basic number terms, he's uh, projecting that Russ will complete 63.1% of his passes for 3,800, a little north of 3,800 yards, 24 touchdowns and 11 picks, over 16 starts. He actually has uh, Jarrett Stidham starting one game for whatever reason. He also thinks Russ will add 322 yards and three touchdowns on the ground, which he showed he can do last year. Why it's important is because if you compare those numbers to last season, it is wholesale improvement. Completion percentage, he was at 60.5. Passing touchdowns, career low 16. And QB rating, 84, I think, 84.0, something like that. Career low as well. Yeah, all career lows. And we know that was marred by injury and coaching incompetence, but it was also Russell Wilson's own poor play. And uh, Mike Clay envisions with the supporting cast around him now on the O-line and the coaching staff that Russ will improve. The Broncos have not had a quarterback, Zach, that passed like you, you know, when you're at the water cooler and you, and you're talking fantasy football and you're regurgitating those of you who are stat heads, you know, you're talking about this quarterback stats that you don't think to yourself, 24 touchdown passes is anything to write home about per se, but do you know how long it's been since a Broncos quarterback passed for that many touchdowns? Peyton Manning, dude, like imagine that 16 touchdown passes last year. I want to say Case Keenum uh, in his one year in Denver passed for 18 off the top of my head. I think that's the individual uh, best of from a quarterback. I'd have to double check, circle back on Simeon. Maybe you, maybe. Uh, I think he had 16 in 2016. 16 Simeon. from Simeon. I believe. So, so either way, but 24 touchdowns, you know, again, on the surface, it doesn't seem like it's, you know, it's not exactly setting the world on fire. But when we're talking about, Looking at like Russ last year, we're talking about literally eight touchdowns more. How many one score games did the Broncos lose? Right. Like you start realizing how much every one of those scores, like above, let's say 20, can actually really move the needle for a team. So if this is what the Broncos got out of Russ, Sean Payton specifically, you know, just basically just under 4,000 passing yards, 24 tutties, and 300 yards on the ground with another three scores. Baby, we're talking about a force to be reckoned with. This isn't the 2013 Broncos, you know, setting records, but it's a force to be reckoned with. 
something that I didn't mention in the article, which I probably should have, is the numbers might seem low, but you have to keep in mind under Sean Payton, and it's quite obvious by now, the Broncos are going to run the football a lot, a hell of a lot. So we talked the other night about Russ maybe achieving 40 passing touchdowns again like he did in 2020. Not this year. Not with the, the ground game they want to employ and the offense they want to uh, put on the field. Mike Clay... Uh, has Samaj P. Ryan leading the Broncos in rushing with 748 yards and five touchdowns. He also has Javante with five touchdowns, but on with uh, 614 rushing yards on about 30 less carries. So you add that up. My math isn't great, but that's 1,300 yards on the ground between those two running backs, and that's where the the passing numbers might fall off for the Broncos and Russell Wilson. But if they're winning, if they're scoring touchdowns, doesn't matter how you uh, skin that cat. Well said. What do you make uh, to shift gears a little bit? By the way, Mike, great to see you tonight, big dog. Hope you're doing well. Uh, a few shout-outs to Facebook folks like Albert. What's going on, big dog? The Mile High Dutchie. Uh, I see uh, John Libick. Good to see you in the in the chat tonight, my friend. Uh, Greg Smith also. What's going on, big dog, with his A.J. Bouye signed A.J. Bouye jersey in the profile pic. Love it. Uh, Opethian in the house on YouTube. Great to see so many of our uh, our regulars. Uh, love you guys. What do you make of Bill Romanowski, the, go- the the federal government, the Justice Department, coming after him for what is it, upwards of fifteen million in uh, unpaid taxes? By the way, that that nut that the feds are coming after him for is not just unpaid taxes, but the penalties and interest thereof. Right, that stacks up. Uh, you start getting uh, into exponential dollars when you talk about millions putting fines and, and interest over millions owed but uh what was your reaction to the story that was broke by the athletic i mean on one hand it's romanowski so it sounds about right he would do something like that on the other hand i can speak personally for myself when i sympathize with them when i say the irs you know it, it should be abolished that's a whole other can of worms i won't get into right now chad i'm sure you can agree as well um, but you got to pay your taxes, man. It's part of being an American citizen. It's the law. You got to follow the law. We can uh, argue till the cows come home. It's as, righteous, as righteously as we may believe our, our case to be that, that it uh, is unjust. Um, that's, the, that's the law of the land. So, But you know what? Here's the thing with Romanowski. He's a, he loved casting himself as a villain. Didn't matter what team he was on. When he was a Niner, he was a villain to everybody else. When he was a Bronco, you know, he really made himself a villain. And then his curtain call on that was playing his last couple of years in Oakland after winning two world championships with the Broncos. I mean, this dude has four Super Bowl rings, dude. Two with the Niners, two with the Broncos. I digress. Uh, Keith wrote this article for us today covering this, uh, Keith Cummings, and I liked – I'll paraphrase something he said at the very end, which is, you know – he likes to kind of paint himself as the bad boy and the villain and, you know, battle against the uh, authority complex. So, you know, I guess kind of this is don't don't necessarily write off Romanowski. We'll see how it shakes out is kind of the vibe he was saying. But let me tell you something, Zach. There's a big difference between going against, you know, uh, even the best NFL opponent in the Super Bowl going against your old team's fan base when he turned coat and became a Raider, you know, going against the Broncos twice a year and the federal government. The federal government, if they decide to bring a case against anybody, it's because they have the uh, – it's, it's basically a bulletproof in most cases. 
it's hard to it's very difficult to beat the federal government on any kind of a criminal case that I mean, listen, if you make a Venmo transaction nowadays, you have 87,000 IRS agents, you know, hawking over you and watching. But uh, very on brand for Romanowski, I will say that. How much does it affect the destiny of the Broncos? Not one whit, but it is part of the news cycle of the last day or two that we wanted to uh, touch base on. All right. Let me see here. We got a, a topic, uh, Keith, going back to the RG3 uh, shade on Russ. It, RG3 salty with the Broncos because of Mike Shanahan? I don't know. Maybe there's some like Freudian uh, truth to it. I don't know. But uh, he is definitely, if you know the story of how things shook out in Washington, Griffin, there was a power struggle that took place between RG3, you know, Snyder, of course, being the owner, and then the power struggle being between this young, highly drafted quarterback Zach that they gave up an arm and a leg to jump up to two to get and Mike Shanahan and Mike Shanahan in the interest of playing ball and you know equanimity and keeping keeping things unified he did play ball until the uh until the uh, injuries started piling up and then with the injuries Zach he started RG3 just when you miss that much time and you're that young it's really hard to come back from it but it got so bad at the end Zach between Shanahan and uh, and RG3 that uh, they had him playing scout team safety at practice on the on the entire the regular season roster for all 16 games as a healthy scratch that is the depths of the ignominy that Griffin eventually sank to and you could make an argument you know who won that that power struggle maybe it was RG3 cuz Shanahan didn't last too long as the as the Washington head coach but at the end of the day, uh, Mike Shanahan's probably going to find himself in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And again, RG3, is, the, the footnote on his name is one of the biggest busts in NFL history. Maybe we you know, uh, think differently about him. I don't consider him like a Ryan Lee for Jamarcus Russell. I thought he was very talented. And, you know, what could have been before that knee injury that was a result of the grass at FedEx Field. But in this case, it's not. I don't believe it's RG3 holding on to any sour grapes or saltiness over Mike Shanahan, which he's now taking out on the Broncos. It's just him following the national media and doing what everyone else does. You know, Chad mentioned dogpiling, and that's the cool thing to do on social media nowadays, and that's where RG3 lives. He is the embodiment of Twitter. And if you know, you know, Twitter is a cesspool. So is social media. 78 Leadhead, what's going on? Um that he does definitely have some distinctions that separate him from the likes of the Leafs and the Jamarcuses. Uh, the fact that he won what rookie of the year and led his team in that one year to the playoffs does separate him from some of the most bona fide quarterback busts. So I will give you that. But I think what kind of erases that is all the drama he created in Washington. It wasn't just like a fall from grace or Zach, like a bad case, you know, a case of just that gummit bad luck. It was the dastardly things he did behind the scenes again in that power struggle to try and torpedo Mike Shanahan, try and torpedo uh, Kirk Cousins, who oddly, I mean, this was the prescience of Mike Shanahan. RG3 wasn't his guy. He got his guy. He got a quarterback that he felt would fit his system later in that draft, whatever it was, fourth round. The Washington also drafted Kirk Cousin that same that same year. Um, but I think that's that 
that may be what colors my perception on him a little bit too, Zach, is just I do remember because back then, especially, you know, 12, 13, 14, I mean, MHH, I just gotten into to, to doing the blogging thing like 2012, is, and that's the year he was drafted. So I'm paying more attention. Plus, Mike Shanahan, the name, sacrosanct to any football, uh, Bronco fan, I should say, uh, walking the earth. And some of the stories that came out back then about what he was doing to try and uh, make Mike Shanahan look bad in the eyes of Dan Snyder, I just, the fan in me, maybe it's unfair, the fan in me resented it. Well, as we all know now, the Washington organization under Snyder's ownership has been nothing short of a dumpster fire year in and year out. So we don't really know what went on behind the scenes, but it's a little hypocritical. Like, you're right, RG3 didn't invite the drama, and he was way more um, of a self-centered player, in a sense, than Russell Wilson's ever been. So to call Russ out, who's never been like that, he's always been a good guy, he's always been about football and his faith and his family – uh, it's just, again, low-hanging fruit that RG3, like every other national pundit, wants to grab. 78 Leadhead saying, did you hear what Stink uh, kind of calling out Russell Wilson today, Mark Schlereth? It wasn't unfair, no, but whatever it was, Leadhead, put it in the chat. Let's talk about it a little bit if it's worth sinking our teeth into. We got a little bit of time still. We're approaching uh, 27 minutes. Um, all right, so that's how, Zach, you know we're on uh, – we're sitting here on June 22nd when we spent 80% of the first half hour of our podcast talking about RG3 uh, doing a quote tweet on Russ or whatever. Like, that's where we're at. But it's still fun. Like, I don't say that to, like, demean the conversation. It's all relevant to the Broncos. But uh, I just – I'll say it like this, Zach. I look forward soon to about a month from now us having actual football that's happening even in a practice setting at training camp. Uh, to break down instead of stuff like this. Oh, you mean you don't want to talk about Bill Romanowski's taxes, Chad? I mean, I thought that was a very inviting subject. No, you're right. I mean, when training camp starts, preseason starts, it'll be officially football season. All we got to do is wade through that six-week desert like we're in right now, and then we're golden. Fortunately, we have a great audience and great listeners to help us through that desert. Tim says, who's lasted as the commander's head coach? Uh, not much. I mean, as a commander... You know, it's still so early, but I'm I'm sure what you mean is Washington all time. I mean, other than Joe Gibbs, they don't really have much uh, in terms of lasting head coach influence. Okay, here's what 78 Leadhead said. Stink was basically saying two days away from the facilities on the long break and Wilson's already breaking being an anonymous donor with the workout video. Right. So that's a big thing about – that's a big part of uh, the Sean Payton thing with social media is – uh, we want you to contribute to the team. We want you to do it in a big, bad way, but we want you to kind of view yourselves as anonymous donors to that endeavor. In other words, you're not out there extracurricular <clears throat> on social media seeking glory, seeking attention, uh, and and risking the possibility of not only distracting yourself from the mission, but possibly creating drama that can distract the team. So I don't see this workout video as really being violating the anonymous donor kind of ethos. Zach, but I've never been in an NFL locker room as a player like Mark Schlereth was. I have a lot of respect for what Stink did as a player, but as an analyst, to me, he's so hit and miss. To me, he kind of grasped at the same straws that RG3 does when he's looking for interaction or looking for likes or saying something contrarian for the sake of being contrarian. 
we all realized that Russell Wilson was a little heftier than his normal playing weight last season. We all recognize it wasn't ideal for what he wants to do going forward to be the quarterback he wants to be. We all wanted him to lose weight. So that's what he's doing. And he showed a workout video in which he's actively losing weight. And now he's being criticized for that. It's a lose-lose scenario. And just because Sean Payton put a moratorium on being outward and being public doesn't mean players have to stop their lives in general. They're allowed to go on social media. They're allowed to work out. They're allowed to post workout videos. He wasn't at a nightclub. He wasn't slapping some guy on a boat like Tyree Kill. He was freaking working out in order to get better for the season. It's ridiculous. Indeed. Um, and by the way, thank you for the reminder on that, Doug. How could I forget George Allen uh, when it comes to Washington head coaches with some staying power? Uh, okay, let me uh, – there's one from KB I wanted to find. I was there, and then all of a sudden it did a little jumpy. Here it is. This is fun. This is fun. Let's let's shift gears for a second. We can let our hair down. It is the offseason. KB, uh, MHH, super chat turned analyst, blogger, writer, uh, so he's an emeritus, so to speak. No longer blogs for the site because he's doing his thing, chasing his dream, crushing his thing. And uh, we appreciate seeing you in the chat, though, when we when we can, Big Dog. It's always fun to talk to you, Kenny. He says, what's up, fellas? Who's your favorite players, your favorite Broncos, not named John Elway and Terrell Davis? Zach, I'll let you answer first. Well, I've been doing a lot of uh, highlight watching in recent days. And let me just say, boy, do I miss Von Miller on the Broncos. I, just what he can do or what he did off the edge, just his impact on the team and how um, astounding his ceiling proved to be. I really do wish the Broncos found a way to keep him. So Von for sure. And to keep it a little more new school, I love Patrick Sertan. I know he's not necessarily a legend yet. I think he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. But again, I'm doing a lot of film study, watching a lot of highlights, and the way PS2 carries himself, his lineage, and what he's done on the field. I put it on Twitter. I mean, he's only 23, entering his third season. He's already a first-team All-Pro. He's a pro bowler. He was an all-rookie selection, and he's the best cornerback in the NFL. I love his game. I love the way he goes about his business. So he's quickly climbing my list, Chad. Uh, I'll go, I'll take it back with you a little bit. KB, one of my childhood, uh, favorites is of course, Steve Atwater. Uh, one of my childhood, uh, another one of my childhood favorites was Bobby Humphrey, even though he only really kind of had one or two decent seasons, but I was also like an Uber fan. Do you remember Gaston green? Kenny, I, I, I don't remember. You might've been too young for Gaston green, early nineties, uh, thousand single, single, thousand yard rusher it was the pre-shanahan days where it was like broncos were a thousand yard you know rushing factory so when a, when a running back did break that that milestone it was it was significantly sweeter uh humphrey green before that you know you could even go back farther but those two running backs i loved them steve atwater and dennis smith were my favorite players on defense along with carl mecklenburg because my my uh in-depth knowledge of the Broncos starts in the 80s. I know what I need to know about the team's history pre-80s, but it's from an academic perspective, not from someone who experienced watching the team and watching these players and things unfolding in, in real time. So Mark Mecklenburg was always one of my favorites. Outwater goes without saying. You get into the later 90s and some of those teams, and uh, 
you know, Tyrone Braxton, always an unsung hero, but Rod Smith will remain to me like probably my, my favorite Bronco all time. Who's not in the hall of fame. I think a hall of fame person that you mentioned is Steve Atwater, who we both met at the combine. I mean, one of the nicest individuals you'll ever come across. I want to throw champ Bailey in there as well. If only because it's his birthday today. So happy birthday, champ Bailey. Nice. Still the best cornerback in Broncos history could be surpassed by PS two in the future. Um, you know, 80% of the earth is covered by water. The rest is covered by champ Bailey, baby. Love it. I love it. Uh, I bought a poster that said that once for my younger brother for his birthday and uh love it uh good question though always fun to get into that type of stuff kenny so appreciate that from you big dog but guys we're at 35 minutes um if you have any burning topics questions subjects you want us to cover get it in the chat sooner than later and we will do our best uh to to uh get to it we got uh pearl saying rick upchurch pearl you must go back a, a, a ways because that's a great like you know, pulling it out of the true depths, Shannon Sharp. I appreciate Tim Shannon Sharp for his contributions. He always annoyed this, the crap out of me. Even when, you know, he's one of those guys that kind of like a keep to leave that for most fans, when he's on your team, the obnoxious stuff he does and says you love, it's endearing. It only makes you, but like when he's not on your team, that stuff, like you hate it. I'm a guy that hates it in most cases, whether it's on my team or not, if it's obnoxious, it really can get to me. With the exception, and it might sound uh, uh, contradictory, but with the exception of the Tlaib, uh Michael Crabtree chain snatching stuff, that for whatever reason, I, I love that. But Shannon Sharp, I appreciate his uh, standing in, in Bronco canon, what he meant to the team, but he wasn't one of my personal, like emotional favorites. Ed McCaffrey, you know, also in terms of what he contributed, you can't sleep on his uh, contributions to those Super Bowl squads. And one of my favorite clips all time is that block he laid in Super Bowl 32 um, to spring. Who was it? It was the fullback, uh, Alf, uh, Griffith. And he, as the dude's going to the ground in slow motion, you can see him putting his finger in the dude's face as the guy's like on his back. It's one of my most iconic. Like Doug's going way back here. Uh, Craig Morton and Jim Turner, who, of course, Jim Turner recently passed away. So RIP. Mike Anderson, another one of my personal faves. Uh, Clinton Portis is always going to be one of my emotional favorites of that era. I, I still, you know, I admit this, Zach, because it's ridiculous in hindsight, but I was one of those guys that was crushed by Portis getting traded to Washington for Champ Bailey, only to within a year or two be like, yeah, totally cool with that uh, in hindsight. But uh, Mike Anderson, what a story, too, if you know Mike Anderson's backstory. Yeah, the uh, the salute will always stay with me when it comes to Mike Anderson. And the Clinton Portis Champ Bailey trade is one of the rare times where both players went on to have great careers. It wasn't just Champ Bailey. Portis was a damn good running back in the NFL for quite a while. Uh, Al Wilson, yes, thank you. There's good so dog. many. Like, Smoke Dog, how can you not love? Thank you for the super chat, too, uh, David. How could you not love Al Wilson? I mean, that guy, first of all, just solid name. And then to see his just ferocious uh, ability on the field his leadership acumen and uh, such a tragedy how his how his NFL career was cut short because he was on the fast track to some to greatness not to say he didn't achieve greatness in the league but like I mean lasting greatness where he could have been viewed 
uh, as you know, macro sense, NFL, one of the greatest linebackers in NFL history. Like he was that good. So, uh, and of course, Derek Wolf, William. Yeah. Derek Wolf. I like John Lynch as much as the next cat, but like he never really quite felt like he belonged to me, so to speak, right. because, uh, and it's different. You could say, well, what about Peyton Manning? Well, it's different quarterback and this and that John Lynch. Um, he was, he was, I view him still kind of in my heart of hearts as more of a buck Zach. I also forgot to mention, and how could I forget, Broncos legend Jerry Rice, one of <laughs> my favorite players of all time, Chad. I had to, had to get him in there. Oh, and let's not forget, you know, as uh, Todd brings up here, Gary Kubiak, you know. Um, but, yeah, good good stuff. I love reminiscing on some of these these topics. Uh, oh, how could I freaking forget, dude? Simon Fletcher. So these guys that I, I have here. I bought them. I started collecting them. I should say these like McFarland, whatever figurines, toys, because I was going to put like a shelf up in my office and just kind of have them where you guys could see them in the background or whatever, if I ever wanted to show them or whatever. And then what happened is my wife and I decided crazily at 40 years old to have another child and he loves these things. So he's been playing them. But the reason I, I'm not digressing. The reason I bring this up is one of the, one of, uh, the draws to these McFarlane action figures was when I was a child, I was like a freakazoid Zach about action figures, star Wars, GI Joe transformers, you know, he man, the works. All right. Predate my, my childhood predates teenage mutant Ninja turtles for what it's worth. So I wasn't around for that, but it was also Zach in the eighties when they came out with the starting lineup action figures and uh, you could start, uh, collecting those and i collected every bronco one that existed my parents would get them for me for my birthday for christmas all that stuff and i had simon fletcher i wish i still had him uh but i don't um he was always one of my favorite guys one of the most unsung cats not only in broncos canon zach but like nfl history if you look at this guy's statistics and just look at his overall impact when he was in the league the fact that he never garnered a single pro bowl election like boggles the mind I think he's definitely one of the most underrated players and uh, most talented players in franchise history. I had a lot of the same action figures you did, Chad, or, or the football little figurine things, but they kept breaking. The football would come off or the pylon right. kept coming off, and I had no patience for that anymore. Yeah, I feel you. Um, I can show you right now. You want to talk about the uh, frailty of toys relative to children. Look what happened to poor Timmy. <laughs> this is what Theo did to poor Timmy. Uh, John Elway, I've had to put him out of reach for the, from the kid because, uh, he broke something. Jake Plummer, I don't even want to tell you what happened to poor Jakey Poo. Uh, so yeah, I feel you on that. Um, so thanks for the mention on that too, as well, Keith. All right. KB says legend, uh, took my favorite Broncos spot, Glenn Milburn. Yeah. Glenn Milburn. Yeah, dude, that, that takes me down memory uh lane here uh here i want to i want to refresh her real quick on on glenn on glenn uh so yeah that's right so he was 93 to 95 so he was there zach the first year of the shanahan era as head coach and in 95 you know he let's see he rushed for no we don't care about that let me sh show me his rushing so 95 under shanahan 49 rushes, 266 yards. So 
uh, old Glenn Milburn really uh, taking it deep there, KB. Yeah, good shout, KB. Um, okay, Zach, I want to uh, – yeah, Steve Sewell. Man, I could spend all night doing this with you guys, talking about some of the old old guys. Um, but, Zach, real quick, i just doing a quick perusal, make sure we're not missing some of the news from the last couple of days. Uh, I wanted to get your take real quick, though, for sure, on – Joe Lombardi's you had an article on this Joe Lombardi talking about the when it comes to the offense a good problem to have give us the uh, cliff notes on that before we dip on out Uh, he was talking about the receivers that the Broncos are currently employing and there's 12 on the offseason roster right now which is about double what the Broncos could keep on the 53 and a lot of people look at that like too many cooks in the kitchen or unenviable decisions they have to make in the future. But Lombardi basically said you can't have too many weapons. And there's a lot of different receivers with different skill sets the Broncos currently have. He mentioned big, strong possession guys like Cortland Sutton or Tim Patrick. They have some speed guys and Virgil Green and KJ Hamler. Jerry Judy's like the all-purpose weapon. You have Marvin Mims as well. It's a very well-rounded receiving core, and Joe Lombardi is taking an optimistic view toward that logjam. Man, I don't understand how, like when you we talk about the lists and the rankings this time of year that you, you find all over the place content-wise on the internet, PFF not giving the Broncos wide receivers much love in the rankings when they're ranking like wide receiver groups in the NFL. I don't really understand that because there's some serious talent there. Like if they wrote that, for example, Zach, you know, 2020, Cortland Sutton coming off Pro Bowl year, first-round pick, Jerry Judy. I know that stuff has happened since then, and that's part of what informs whatever their analysis is. But, like, has there been that much that should really alter that? With Sutton, maybe a little bit. But there's some talent on this wide receiver. Between or beyond those two guys, even throwing in Marvin Mims, right, the the speedster that they drafted in the second round. Tim Patrick, I guess – PFF forgot about this guy. I don't know, but I'm stoked on the wide receivers. I think some of these guys are going to have a coming out party or like a, you know, coming out party part two. I think the national consensus is that the Broncos don't have a true number one. They have a collection of, of number two wide receivers. And I guess based on the last couple of years, you could make that case, but those who cover the team like us know the talent in that room we know what Jerry Judy could be. We know what Tim Patrick was in terms of a, a, a security blanket for a quarterback, what Cortland Sutton was pre-injury, but it's PFF. I believe they had San Francisco on the top 10. So again, it's like you, you take it for what it's worth, and to me, it's not much. Well said. Uh, David says, during this NFL summer, let's have a show. Yes, indeed, my friend. Doing the best we can for you, my dog. You know this. Um Michaela, the Duchess, jumping in. She says, sorry, I'm late at 7. It's all good. We're about to dip on out of here. Um, but I wanted to uh, also give Keith some some props. Uh, during the center for – or no, I missed it. Where'd it go? He's got the sweet sign, Bridge of the Gap, LP, not selling. Oh, that reminds me. I don't know why this was what reminded me, but in this box – Sports Illustrated sent me some goodies for y'all, all all right? Now, I know not everybody, Zach, that listens to the podcast and reads our articles gives a fly and flip about the Denver Nuggets, but a lot of you do. So the commemorative issue of the Nuggets 
uh, winning it all. All right. First world championship in franchise history. I don't know. They, they sent me like a box of probably 20 of these. We're going to be giving them away. Um, raffles. We're going to include them in some cool stuff. And right now, this, this might not be worth much, okay? But this is the type of thing you hold on to it for a few years. You hold on to it for, you know, a little bit of time. And these things can become treasured and precious so and very valuable. But even if it's not about that, which to me as a fan, it wouldn't be about that. It would be about possessing this as a commemoration, Zach, and, you know, this, of this singular achievement that, that the Nuggets did. So we're going to come up with some cool ways to uh, raffle those off, give them away to people in our community who we know actually care about the Nuggets, which, again, isn't everybody, including myself. I'm not a Nuggets guy, per se. Whoa, we got Michaela coming in. So anyway, stay tuned for that. We'll be letting you guys know more about that. Uh, the Duchess from the top rope jumping in and helping us keep the lights on in a big, bad way. She's saying, hi, family. Missed you guys. Um, my trip to Stanford. Love uh, and go Broncos. Yes. Stanford. What were you doing there? I wonder. You'll have to you'll have to fill us in. And if you don't want to uh, mention it too much in the chat DM, curious about your trip. But thank you so much. We have missed you. Great to have you back. Genuinely, Michaela, the pods aren't the same without you and just the the light that you show us and all of the MHH viewers in the community. So definitely appreciate you as always. And talking about the uh, the magazine chat, if I was a diehard Nuggets fan, I would take that and I would frame that and I would hang that on my wall and treasure that forever. So exactly. Take heed. I would literally be putting that in a shadow frame. You know what I mean? Like I'd frame it, put it on my wall because that stuff, you know, I get nerdy about that stuff. For my my teams, uh, says William. I still have mine from when the uh, St. Louis Blues won their cu first cup. Yeah, exactly. I mean, those things are rad. And Sports Illustrated, yeah, for sure. Michaela is a Nuggets fan. We'll, we'll definitely earmark one of those for the Duchess. Trust. Um, but yes, Zach, I hate doing this right when Michaela gets in, but we've kind of covered all the topics we wanted to get to tonight. We spent some time. Uh, kicking the can down memory lane, talking about our favorite Broncos and whatnot, but it's time for us to uh, dip on out. Well, now that Michaela's uh, back, hopefully we see her on Sunday when we're next on. But regardless, that was another tremendous episode of the MHH podcast. If you're not doing so, follow us on Twitter at the MHH pod. You can follow the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle, Chad at Chad and Jensen, myself at Kelberman NFL, and Scott, our producer at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some merch like you see us rocking every single podcast, go to MHHmerch.com and check that out. On Facebook, go to Facebook.com slash Pod. Be sure you're liking that page and following that page. If you're on Instagram, follow us at mile underscore high underscore huddle. And on Apple Podcasts, make sure you are leaving your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some of that merch each and every single month. But if anything, please... Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Look what we have here. The ladies uh, leading the way, throwing down. Another super from the Duchess saying it was she went there for her niece's graduation, a political science major. Awesome. I'm curious to know what, uh, what profession she's going to try and get into. If she's maybe going to be a teacher or is she going to get into politics? Curious. Or in some cases, I know a lot of people, in fact, who uh, political sci major, and then they end up getting into uh, journalism and different stuff. So I'm curious to know. 
really cool. Congrats to her, as Zach said. Uh, the lady D also jumping in. Thank you, Deanna. Love it. Thank you so much, Deanna. Another precious member of our community that we've missed the last, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks, whatever. It's the off season. We get it. She says, I'm so happy to finally catch you guys. Work's been crazy. Okay, we understand. She says, sure been missing you. Can't wait for the season to start. Uh, love the slim, mean look of Wilson. Hashtag MHH for life. Yeah, work can get crazy, and certain things got to come first. We totally understand that. But Lady D, so great to see you in the chat tonight. And we're stoked, by the way. I'll probably save a few of these Sports Illustrateds for the meet and greet. We can't wait to see you guys uh, October 22nd, Week 7, MHH meet and greet, Mile High City. Going to be dope. Yeah, the feeling is definitely mutual, Deanna. Thank you. We've missed you as well and uh, appreciate you as always, Lady D. And uh, Michaela says that her niece is going into law, law school next. Oh, cool. Awesome. Uh, congratulations to her. That's very exciting. And uh, thank you for tuning in as always. Sounds like a high powered niece, if I must say. Like uh, she's got a, a mission. So that's really cool. Shout out to these great super chat superstars and supporters this evening. Uh, the Lady D, Michaela, love you so much. KB. David McElrath, Doug Raquel, Drake Wally, Sam Bam, David, um, or I already said David, Troy. Much love and respect to you guys. Thank you so much. Not only spending your time with us on a sleepy Thursday night as far as the NFL calendar is concerned uh, at the end of June, but those of you who, who throw down and support us, help us keep the lights on, especially this time of year, believe me, those dollars stretch a long way, so thank you very much. Oh, we got a last-second Super from KB here. I sat row six at the NBA Finals. Ooh, Talk dope. about an experience dope. for you, Kenny. Uh, definitely a good time to be a Nuggets fan right now. Appreciate you sharing. Did you get an SI cover, cover uh, episode or episode issue? I wonder, KB, if not, holla at your boy. Let me know. But, guys, love you so much. We're going to dip. Have a great weekend, guys. We'll see you Sunday night. Take care, and as always, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.